Hey guys, let's uh, get excited to open God's Word, amen? Let's get excited to open God's Word, I mean, we are so blessed, we are so blessed to, uh, to come to worship here at Olive, and the uh, phenomenal opportunities we get to grow as a family of Jesus Christ. And if you're watching online and you are a guest here today, you've been an answer to my prayer, that you will come and join us in worship and also online. And I pray today will be a good time around God's Word. When we are done today and while I am opening God's Word, you will have to make a decision. You will have a choice to make, and I pray you will choose wisely. It's December, and we hear the bells are ringing. The bells are ringing. And uh, William and Catherine Booth started the Salvation Army in 1865. Uh, Tim and I visited uh, London or England a couple of months ago, and when I came back, I got to dig into more about why the Salvation Army began. And looking at the deep darkness in England. In his book, The Darkest England and the Way Out, I quote William Booth. General William Booth. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. How's this? Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come here. Then look in the face, then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world, unquote. The darkest England and the way out. My friends, when you hear those Salvation Army bells ringing at every entrance, of shopping malls, the founder of that organization has decided to hear the cry from God and never stop pursuing people to share the good news of Jesus Christ where millions and millions of people are being served even to this day. Later on in his book, Soup, Soap and Salvation, I quote William Booth again. The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell, unquote. My dear brothers and sisters, today I'm going to bring to you a most practical way how we can continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
We need to never stop evangelizing. We need never stop sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And you may share soup, or you may, may share soap, but if you don't give salvation, they will be dirty and hungry for eternity. They need Jesus. And look around all, all around our community today. And here, uh, as we open God's Word to Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1 to 10. Luke chapter 19, if you've got God's Word. And as you are turning, let me make this remark. I am afraid that the greatest story ever told as quickly becoming the greatest secret the church ever kept. Let me tell that again. I'm afraid that the greatest story ever told as quickly becoming the greatest secret the church has ever kept. I mean, when last did you go and tell someone about the good news of Jesus Christ? William Booth starting the Salvation Army, and years later, we're still feeling the impact of his ministry of soup kitchens and churches all over the world at a burden. You can feed people, but if you don't give them Jesus Christ, they will hunger for the rest of their lives. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1 to verse number 10. This is the most practical way we're going to talk about how Jesus is connecting with Zacchaeus, but the most practical way how you can live this Christmas month. And have I entitled this sermon hour, Four Considerations for a Christ Follower This Christmas Month. I'm giving you four considerations, and I'm asking you to choose. The Word of God reads in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was in a small, he was a small stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree, which John Davy planted, to see him. For he was about to pass that way. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into, uh, in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Underline, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Brothers, I'm talking to you about salvation and evangelism. Now, when you look at the scripture, I see some people who are spectators. But when Jesus chose to go and spend the night in Zacchaeus out, all the spectators felt offended. I mean, let me see in the scripture, who welcomed Jesus in? No one. So Jesus made his own accommodation plans. And many of us today, when we miss the opportunity, Jesus somebody brings somebody else to come do what we are supposed to call to, to do. 
So we look at this, this text today, and you're looking at the gospel. Whenever you look at the gospel, Jesus is always witnessing. Now I know every one of you who know Jesus Christ, you want to be like Jesus. You want to be loving like Jesus. You want to be patient like Jesus. You want to be forgiving like Jesus. How about you should be witnessing like Jesus? Because everywhere Jesus went, Jesus shared the truth. I mean, at the woman at the well at Samaria, outside the city gates, at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, at the lakeside, everywhere Jesus went, even when he went into the synagogues, began to share. He was witnessing, witnessing to the very people that killed him. So look at Jesus' life. Everywhere he went, he was witnessing. And woe to the church that has stopped witnessing. Listen to what Spurgeon says, and I quote, Never for fear of feeble man restrain your witness. Your lips have been warmed with coal from the altar. Let them speak as like heaven-touched lips should do, unquote. But how many times we, we shy away when you come to talk about the things of God? I'm giving you four considerations this Christmas month. And I'm asking you today to make a choice and make a choice. Maybe where you are, you want to come to the altar, but make a choice. The first consideration, number one, is choose grace. Choose grace. It's a choice. Many of the religious ask question, why did Jesus go to Zach's house? I mean, don't, doesn't Jesus know he's a sinner as if they are saints? Jesus chose grace. He had grace and he extended grace. And looking at the gospel of Luke, Jesus is always working through relationships. And he's always with people. And whenever he was with people, Jesus chose grace. Do you? I'm reminded in the Gospels, I'm going to jump in all various texts, but you know the story. Couple pages over, Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11 to 32. The story of the prodigal son. Now you know the story really well. Two brothers, the younger one wants his inheritance. He left home at a good old party, sleeping with the pigs. Now he's making his way home. When he comes home, he only finds a father at the gate. And his brother is mad and bitter and angry. You know that story well. The father has chosen grace, but the elder brother has not chosen grace. This Christmas month, you will have an opportunity to be with family, to be with friends. Will you choose grace? Or would you choose being judgmental instead of being loving? Even we who have known the grace of a heavenly father can be very stingy when we are applying that grace to others. The image of the angry brother challenges us to have God's heart of compassion towards sinners, more especially those close to you. Our compassion towards others is a good indicator of how well we understand our own need of grace. What I'm trying to say is, aren't you tired of living in bitterness? 
So write this down. Quit being the bitter bigger brother. Say that five times. Quit being the bitter bigger brother. Because many times this Christmas season, you're going to come in contact with people, but you don't want to be like Jesus choosing grace to go and be with Zacchaeus. You're choosing bitterness to be like the angry brother. Can I ask you this Christmas month, can you choose grace over bitterness? Could be this Christmas season, your homosexual confused son or daughter is coming home. Could be this Christmas, your drunkard is coming home. Could be this Christmas, this one uncle, you just don't like to see him. He is going to be there. Are you going to choose bitterness? Or are you going to choose grace? Jesus, when he came to Zacchaeus, Jesus chose grace. Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Wow. There's no sermon without a Bob Goff quote. Come on. Bob Goff says, grace never seems fair until you need a little. Can I ask you, church of Jesus Christ, we have the greatest story ever told. Are we going to be bitter about it, or are we going to be better about it? The reason why I'm reading William Booth and looking at the history of England, and there's, there's people talking about, hey, feeding the hungry guys. Guys, if a church cannot be the answer to the community, what is? We have chosen to live for ourselves and forgot to extend grace the way Jesus extended grace to us. Do you remember the time when you were lost and your relationships were broken, but now God brought you together? And now God has blessed us? So this Christmas month, don't live another hour with bitterness. Choose grace. Don't be. Quit being the bitter, bigger brother, and join your father at the gate to welcome your family in. And if you're a Christ follower, no father in this story, if you say you're following Jesus, the gate needs to be full of welcoming guests, bringing your family home, and loving them the way Jesus loves them. So the first consideration, choose grace. Are you going to choose grace? Or are you going to choose bitterness? Number two is choose generosity. Choose generosity. I look at the story here. Jesus chose generosity. Why? When you look at generosity, it's either finances, time, or resources. Jesus made time for Zacchaeus. I'm asking you today, this Christmas month, make time for others. Make time for others. God's goal is for us to be generous, is to be a generous people. And now I, I know we're generous with our finances. I know we're generous with our resources. I'm asking you today to be generous with your time. 
And I commend you. We have so many surf teams, parking teams, security teams, worship teams, giving the time to come and worship and serve one another and serve the community. But I'm asking you today, are you making time to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you making time to go and talk to people who don't know who Jesus is? In our small groups, and ordinary men, we're doing the book of Mark. Uh, at Crossroads, you're doing the book of Mark. When you look at the book of Mark, Jesus is always on the move. I like to say the gospel of Mark is Jesus in action. He's always moving all the time. And he's making time for the people least expected. A couple weeks ago, at our ordinary men class, I taught Mark chapter 10. When you look at Mark chapter 10, this is the last public ministry of Jesus on the way to the cross. Did the disciples know it? No. Did Jesus know it? Yes. And the last 24 hours that Jesus had to go to be arrested, to be crucified, where would he give his time to? Mark chapter 10 calls us, he shows us, number one, Jesus is answering questions about divorce. Number two, Jesus is talking about little children. This is a scripture in Mark chapter 10. Hinder not the little children who come after me. So children were coming to Jesus. The disciples said, hey, don't bother Jesus. And Jesus said, hang on. Children need to come after me because if you don't be like little these. Jesus is spending time with children less than 24 hours than being crucified. How generous is your time? The next part in Mark chapter 10, he talks to the rich young ruler. Of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus, this is the only man who went away worse than he came. Because this arrogant young professional came to Jesus, want to be an intellectual and want to be a rich wealthy man, he chose not to follow Jesus and he left. How about giving your time to the arrogant those around us, like Jesus did? If I was Jesus, I'm like, dude, i got no time for your arrogance. I'm about to die. But Jesus gave his time. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking to the disciples. These disciples had a hunger for power. And his disciples says, uh, can I ask you something? Jesus asks the questions, what can I do for you? The disciple says, can I sit on the right and this guy sit on the left? Church people are hungry for power. Jesus is teaching them about humility. Less than 24 hours, he goes to the cross. Do you have time for people like that? But the favorite character, apart from Jesus in Mark chapter 10, is blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus asks the question, what can I do for you? When he asks the question to the, the disciples, what can I do for you? They want a seat of honor. When he asked Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? He said, I want to see. Guess who was the more powerful evangelist? This guy or this guy? I asked myself this question, on the most hard-pressed 24 hours Jesus had, he made time for children. He even made time for the arrogant rich ruler. He made time for his disciples. He even made time for the lowly. Because the last words of Jesus is the least and the lost. 
Do you, you, do you give your time to that? This is a Jesus that we know. Why? Because Jesus modeled personal is powerful. Personal is powerful. That's what Jesus did. He was very generous with his time. Sitting, talking to people, and pointing them to the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we just have no time to give away. Let me tell you guys, Jesus gave his life for you. Some years ago, on a cold fall day, raining, driving through Connecticut in the, in the city of Norwich. Some of you came on a mission team there, so you know. And I'm at a stoplight. I turned to my right, there was a guy. This guy was introduced to me by Deacon David. So I know this guy. I, I don't know him that well, but I know I met him. And so because anyone David introduces to, you'll remember. And so I roll, I, I just roll my window down. I say, come on, man, let's go, to, let's go get a cup of coffee. He said, hey, pastor. He jumped in. He jumped in, uh, and then I said, hey, what's happening, man? He said, man, it's, it's freezing. It's cold. I said, let's go have a cup of coffee. He said, where's coffee at? I said, coffee is at church, so let's go to church. Uh, <laughs> there was coffee there, so we went in, opened up, made him a pot of coffee. The dude was drenched. His boots had holes. And I said, just hang on, man. Let, us go, let me just go to my, our closet here. I'll get you decked out. We, we just went, got him dried, and, 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 he, and he was all dressed up. So he stayed for Bible study, and, you know, he, he stayed a couple of weeks, and he disappeared. He stayed a couple of weeks, he disappeared, he stayed, and then he disappeared, and then I moved to Pensacola. Last month, a couple of months ago, I was preaching up in Syracuse, New York. And uh, Pastor David always told me, uh, you know, at, at Cornerstone, we always move in a pack. Every church member disciples three people at one time. That's just the way it is. You believe in Jesus, get baptized, you disciple three people. That's the way it is at Cornerstone. And Pastor David is still doing that. That is why when I moved here, he asked me, Pastor Sean, who are your brothers close to you? He said, hey, uh, can I drive up and come to see you? I said, sure, yeah, come on up. I'm bringing someone who wants to meet you. I don't know who he's talking about. As you see in the picture, Steven Tyler, not the one you're thinking of, but this dude, on your far left, that's Steven Tyler. I said, bro, I know you. I didn't even know his name. I said, I know you. He said, oh, yeah, you don't remember my name, Pastor Sean, but my name is Steven Tyler. Yes, I know you. He said, you remember the day you picked me up? Oh, man, we had dinner, and we're going to talk about our office journey. He says, that day, man, hundreds of cars passed me by, but you picked me up. He had a cup of coffee, and he said, now I'm just letting you know, I've accepted Jesus Christ. And he is one of the three that Pastor David on the right is discipling. Now, 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 while I was talking to him, he said, did you know what was going on that day? I said, I don't know, man. All I know, David introduced me. He said, that day I was walking from New London to Norwich to take my life. Because I lost everything. And I thought, you know what, I don't have a place to stay. He said, but now, for the last four years, I have a place to call home. I have a church to call family. I came to New York to tell you thank you for making time for me. Now listen to this. You have the same opportunity if you ask God to give you that. I'm not guilting you, my friend. 
I'm pointing to you that the Great Commission, Jesus' last words, became our last resort. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking, do you know why? Tim was in this conversation, we were in England. Do you know why? Evangelical Christians, we calculate the risk so much that we're scared to go out there. Now, I'm not telling you to go and pick everybody up and give them a ride. I'm not asking you that. We calculate the risk because we don't have the capacity to calculate the reward. I cannot calculate the capacity of what God is doing in Stephen Tyler's life. But whenever we go and you want to share, what if they don't talk to me? What if they shun me? What if they, so what? They did it to Jesus. Why does it come for evangelism? We have all the negativity. You know, one of our team members here at, 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 at church, I mean, uh, if I gave his name, he might stop the recording. But anyway, he was working in a church one day and somebody wanted a ride. You know, after losing patience with him, he said, okay, let's, let's go. It was a two-mile ride. He took him, dropped him off at the bus station, driving by, and he came to see me. He said, Sean, man, I need to share something with you. I said, what happened, man? He said, this guy, man, he was such a nuisance. I, I gave him a ride, and guess what? The only thing we talked about is the weather. He said, I feel so ashamed of myself. I said, no, 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 brother. I feel so glad that you feel convicted of that. Because if those misopportunities don't convict you, then what will? If Jesus was generous with his time, he stopped by Zacchaeus' house. How generous are you this Christmas month so that you can be generous with your time and share who Jesus is? Because godly, generous behavior within the church is the best advertisement of the gospel. Choose grace, choose generosity. Number three, I'm asking you today to choose joy. Choose joy. Before I go to choose joy, look around in our community. Do you know and notice the average age of those who are standing in street corners with a sign these days? Many of them could be grandparents and our grandparents. And many of you, when we talk about college students, we're like, well, I pray my daughter is going to uh, this university. I pray someone will come and, and share the good news of Jesus with my, with my college student. Do you know that when that grandpa is standing out in the cold, that someone is praying, please bring my husband home. Someone is praying, please bring my daddy home. Or perhaps someone is praying, is praying, please bring my papa home. Because of drugs and alcohol and mental illness, I don't know where he's at. He could be in another state. But I'm praying that someone who knows Jesus will tell papa, please come home. Could you be that someone? Could you be the answer to that little girl's prayer that papa will come home for Christmas? Or are you too busy with your time? Okay, let's move on. Choose joy. Choose joy. Nehemiah 8 and verse number 10. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
someone is praying this prayer today and you need to, Psalm 51, verse number 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your willing spirit. This Christmas month, preach the gospel to yourself every day because when you are reminded what Jesus did for you every day, you will go and share that. The problem with this is we are saved and we forgot what the gospel did for us. Now we live off the benefits of the gospel, not Jesus himself. We want the benefits, not Jesus himself. We are joyful people, guys. We are people of joy. Joy, joy. The problem with us is, with the reason why we stop sharing Jesus, because we think Jesus is intellectual. Jesus is not intellectual. Jesus is relational. It's an experience of accepting Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, and that growing experience every day. That's why experiencing God, experience God every day in your small groups, experience God every day in your prayer, experience God in the, wherever you go. When you experience God, you want to talk about him. Many of you don't know, you say, well, I, I want to share Jesus, but, but I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, and I got the microphone. You know how crazy that is? You know why? We made evangelism intellectual and not relational. Jesus is not your intellectual savior. He's your personal savior. They say it's about 8 to 12, I think 10 to 12 inches from here to here. So maybe this Christmas month, move your Jesus from here to here and start telling someone about him. In this adoption journey, they told us... <clears throat> that when you carry the baby, that your eye and the baby's eye is about 10 to 12 inches. That's where attachment happens. So you've got to carry the baby. Okay. <laughs> attachment happens. Let me ask you, did attachment happen of the gospel from here to here, that's true adoption. Not here. Here. You can have all the knowledge about Jesus and be like a Pharisee and complain, I can't believe it he went to that house. Guess what? Guess what? Zacchaeus chose to follow Jesus. These guys are still figuring it out. Can you choose joy? Uh, you know, time is gone here, but in the adoption process, seeing that we talked about the picture anyway, uh, we were in Georgia, Georgia for 12 days. For, for two Sundays, I never went to church because, uh, you know, so um, we, we were the baby. And so one of the churches closest to where we was, I like reading church signs. Okay, I'm a pastor the same way, John the same way. So when we look at a church sign, if it's funny, we share it. This is what the church sign had close to where, where we were staying. This is what he says, in Georgia, I will not name the city, okay? <laughs> this is a church sign. Gossip is a devil's radio. Are you his DJ? I'm like, you see that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not going to that church, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, gossip is a devil's radio. Are you his DJ? And so that Sunday, uh, I never went to church, so I'm hanging out the house, and uh, Desti said, Sean, can you please go and pick up dinner? a lunch for us. So, okay, what you want? She says, there's a cracker barrel. I'm like, well, 
because Chick-fil-A was closed on a Sunday, Cracker Barrel. So I made my way to Cracker Barrel. They, do, they don't do online orders anyway. So I'm there, ball cap, you know, and uh, I'm in the corner hiding behind the Dolly Parton, uh, whatever. And, and I'm watching Pastor preach Romans. I'm watching Pastor preach. Now we are one hour behind. They are Eastern time. And I'm listening to Pastor preach his sermon. And all of a sudden, a, the restaurant was quiet, peaceful. Christmas music, you know, peaceful. There's an avalanche of people come in. I'm like, where did you come from? They're all wearing sweater vests and big ties, you know, suits. They look like church people. I'm like, are these the DJs coming in? I don't know. But anyway, they all filled in. When they came in, they were the most rude people to those innocent people standing at the desk. I mean, like, what? I'm standing in the corner. No one's paying me attention. I'm listening to pastor. Another group of people came. I think the Second Baptist came now. You know, Second Baptist Church. I don't know whether the Methodists behaved that way early morning, but the Baptists are anyway. They came in. They were just grumpy people. I mean, all dressed like, you, you know they came from church. And guess what they'll do? Hey, we're praying for our meal. Is there something I need to pray for you about? Those people don't even know the neighbor's name. Don't come be all festive and spiritual. Can I pray for you about something? You don't even talk to your neighbor. This Christmas month, quit being grumpy people. And come here and sing joy to the world. Take joy to the world. Am I right? I'm not going to crack a barrel again because of the Christian people. Anyway. <laughs> Are we those people in Pensacola? We say we have a living savior. And we're grumpy about everything. The traffic light, too long. This is what Paul Tripp says. I'm about to tie it up here. You have been called to be the look on his face the tone of his voice, the touch of his hand, and the presence of his love. Can you be that this Christmas month? Can for once you choose and to say, hey, life is not about me. It's about living Jesus through me. But let me tell you guys, give hurting people a reason to rejoice. Because church is not the most happiest place in town. Church should be the most honest place in town. That we come with our brokenness and laid before the feet of Jesus. So I'm asking you today, like Jesus, would you choose grace or will you choose bitterness? Would you choose generosity or you choose selfishness? Would you choose joy or you choose grumpy. Above all, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus because scripture reminds us, Jeremiah said to, that uh, a king will come in the line of David. Micah foretold he would come from the town of Bethlehem. Isaiah said he will be born of a virgin and his name shall be Jesus because he will save people from all their sins. This Christmas month, I'm asking you guys, don't wait. Choose Jesus. Choose forgiveness. Don't leave here the bitter, bigger brother syndrome. 
Spurgeon said it best in a devotion this week. I quote, no man ever served God by doing things tomorrow. You know, many of you thinking, well, I'll, tomorrow I'll make a call. Make the call today. I'm asking you today, guys. This week, one of my best friend's father passed away, went for his funeral. There was hope in the room, hope of the gospel as John comes to play. I'm asking you today, guys, above your marriage, could you choose Jesus? Above your finances and your business, can you choose Jesus? Above your careers, can you choose Jesus? Above your comfort, can you choose Jesus? Above your opinions, can you choose Jesus? Above everything else, can you choose Jesus? Jesus will help you to choose joy. Jesus will help you to choose grace. Jesus will help you to choose generosity. Let me tell you, my friends, there's people in your lives that you don't have a relationship with. I'm going to tell you, Jesus saved you so you can go and serve them. Be that light in the dinner table. Be that gospel opportunity. Be forgiving. And I'm just telling you right now, guys, leave it at the altar today. Don't be that bitter, bigger brother. But today, run to the gate and welcome him. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He welcomes us. So I'm asking today, 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 at this altar, come. There's many decisions that have to be made yet today, my friends. You can choose joy, you can choose generosity, you can choose grace, but above all, choose Jesus. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you, he died for you. He died for you. So you can have a relationship with him.